0: Thank you for visiting Discontinued on display. We are so happy you have joined us. At this time, we ask of you a few small favors. Please refrain from eating or drinking while in the exhibit. Please remain with your tour guides at all times. If you separate, you may get lost. And please remember to have a magical day.
1: to season 4 of Discontinued Woo! on display. Woo! All right. Um oh man, Chris, it's great to be back on the airwaves.
0: It's so nice to be back, Matt. And it's it's this is this is the absolute first recording we've ever done. We haven't done anything else before this moment. Yeah, yeah we have not recorded any other episodes no, Not before at this all. Moment. This is fresh. This is new. <laughs> We haven't talked to each other in weeks. Oh, no.
1: Yeah, we've just been, you know, sipping lemonade and enjoying summer. But, uh, oh, man. So, um, happy 4th of July weekend. You know, this release is June 30th, and so it is 4th of July weekend, wherever you're traveling to. Hopefully, we're keeping you company. And this whole whole season is going to be um, discontinued themed stuff. Um, so experiences, restaurants, other stuff like that. Um, but we entertainment things,
0: experiences, yes, I would entertainment
1: say. Entertainment experiences. Um, but we thought for this first episode, it would be really fun to do some Sorcerer Network synergy. So Ooh. this is actually this part. This is part one of a two-part episode. The second part is going to release on Tuesday on the Beers and Ears uh, uh, podcast feed. But we are talking the Disney Store on our season premiere, which. Okay, I have to admit, it's a technicality. It is not completely discontinued. There are still like a couple of Disney stores hanging out there, but for all Are the there techs, really? First- 22. Oh, yeah. 22 of them. Yeah, there's like 22 stores still hanging out there. Where? I mean, uh, closest to us is Cincinnati, I believe.
0: Okay, I thought they all got taken out, and went, like once Michigan Avenue went down, I'm like they're all gone. I mean,
1: <laughs> pretty much. So this is a technicality. So for this, we brought on you've you you've heard a familiar voice. Hopefully, you know you know him from beers and ears and from our beanie baby episode, Casey. Hi, everybody, and I also have
2: the unique privilege of being your first guest uh, on the show, and here I am again. And now you have your second guest on the show.
1: Yes, so we have brought on. Uh well all three of us me Chris and Casey have worked for the Disney store. Uh we pale in comparison to the guest we have brought on um who has been working for the company Kim
3: how long have you been working for the company? 26 years.
1: 26 years. So okay. uh, wow. please
3: welcome
1: Yeah, please welcome to the podcast Kim. Welcome welcome Woo! welcome.
2: Hi. Kim also Kim also um hired me so i have kim to thank for my journey at, at 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 working at the disney store so and i knew she'd be the perfect person when we're talking history so i'm so glad
3: you're here kim i always made it a commitment to hire the best cast members ever
1: oh i love it i feel <laughs> so good <laughs> so we're just gonna jump right in you know kind of how we usually do this on discontinued on display we go through the history you know, we'll kind of go through our experiences, whether that's, you know, just going to a Disney store slash working at a Disney store. Um, I, I, uh, any other things you have found? I mean, you, you know us, Chris, we, uh, have all kinds of tangents and, you know, we got to make a, you know, ragtime reference. And I have to tell you about my best day in high school. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we got to hit all, we got to play all the hits here on season four, the greatest Uh, hits. Yes. The greatest hits. Um, All right. So, uh, you know, let's start, um, Kim, if you want to kick us off with just like a a general history of how the Disney store kind of came about of what you know.
3: Well, the Disney store um, came into play. Um, It first opened in Glendale, California on March 28th, 1987. And then The first overseas location opened in November, 1990 in London, England. And the Japanese and Australian stores opened in 1992. And Disney dollars also became available at that time. So for a lot of people, um, they don't (laughs) realize that Disney actually is um, a universal store all over the world.
2: And it was a pretty unique, like, endeavor. I mean, I think a lot of people think of this idea of like cuz they kind of coined the term retailtainment, right? Like that was kind of the the philosophy of of bringing entertainment into retail and they were the first to do it. I think Warner Warner Brothers followed suit afterwards, but they were kind of like the first to really bring this into the public sphere, right? Yes, Disney
3: was the first entertainment store. I mean, it
1: makes sense that they would be the first. It doesn't surprise me
0: at all. Yeah,
3: yeah. Well, and especially now, I mean,
1: 87 would not have been as, like, booming of a time for the Walt Disney Company. But it, it makes sense that the 90s were a time of boom for a Disney store, considering what came in in the 90s. And malls were, like, the thing in the 90s.
2: Well, and think about what was going on with the Walt Disney Company, too. I mean, that was the Iger era, right? I mean, that was the Bob Iger era. Eisner, not Iger. I'm sorry, Iger. Jeez, <laughs> thank you. The Eisner era. Uh, that was kind of... Okay, so you're right. 87 was not was not exactly the best time for Disney, but Little Mermaid was on the horizon. And if I'm not mistaken, Little Mermaid had a huge influence on what happened at the Disney store. It was with, I think it was the first pre-sale that the Disney store sold, and, um, you know... Uh, Eisner kind of declared nine, the nineties, the Disney decade. So the Disney store starts to grow while the rest of Walt Disney is growing. All you talked about synergy earlier on the pod, Matt. I mean, that's kind of what it was. That was Eisner's idea was everything working in tandem. Now, what year did you join Kim?
3: I started in 1995 and I remember it was probably three weeks after I started, um, I was an ASM at Chicago Ridge, which was the original pink and green and the last oh, pink and green Ridge. store to close in the company. I, um, the original.
2: I knew it was the last, but I didn't know it was the original.
3: It, well, not the original, but I don't think it was the original, but it was the last to close. Yeah. Um, and it was my first experience. And three weeks after I opened, we had a huge meet and greet with Pocahontas. Mickey and Minnie. It was a whole show in the mall. Mickey and Minnie danced. It was dancers. We had a meet and greet with Pocahontas, um, Miko. And I want to say it was Rafiki and Timon. And they were at opposite ends of the mall. And I just remember that small little Disney store had so many people in it, I couldn't even see over the fixture or walk through the store. It was like the most amazing thing and i was like this is where i belong it was just so fun
0: can you what is a pink and green store i actually don't think i've ever heard of that
3: a pink and green store is a slat wall store and it has a lot of pink and green in it and a lot of of glass shelves
2: like legacy legacy stores chris i mean i don't if you think of the Legacy Disney Store look, it's the one that's got the black and white checkered floor in the front, I believe. Mm-hmm. It, has, it has the. It, it's not even really a green. It's more like a teal, right? It's like a teal
1: and pink almost, but they called it pink. It's a 90s pink and green. It's like that yeah. pastel i I'm trying to
2: think. Oh,
0: I think I, I know what you're talking about. Is it, Was that what the Downers Grove, like the Yorktown location used to be? Is that's like. Okay, cool. That was my location growing up when I was a kid. So totally, yep. I know exactly what you are talking about.
1: A lot and, of people and it had the animations like the... up, up, up above as well. Like it yep. had all the characters and everything, right? And plush
3: mountain, like the big plush mountain that everybody wanted to jump into because it was just so much fun.
1: Yeah, all kind plush. That well, people didn't is, realize like is... you know there is like heavy stuff in there. So I, I want to ask this really fast. So Chris, Yorktown was your first Disney store? That's like
0: where
3: that. my
0: parents took me as a kid. Yeah.
1: And, Kim, would would Chicago Ridge have been your first one, or were you in one before you worked there?
3: So before I worked there, my first experience with Disney Store was the Woodfield Disney Store, which was Uh, a pink and green at the time.
0: And it had a Mickey
3: Kitchen. And I just remember those Mickey French fries were to die for. They were so good. I was so upset when they closed Mickey Kitchen because that was my, like, go-to. We, and then we my have to mention this. I'm, before... I'm sorry,
1: Kim. I'm going to cut you off here because Mickey's Kitchen, yes. So for those of you that don't know, there was a restaurant attached to two locations. It was only two locations. Yep. It was California and then uh, uh, Woodfield had one. I need you to – so you, you said Mickey Mouse fries. I need you to paint me a picture of this food.
3: Oh, my gosh. It put McDonald's to shame. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> like the fries were in shape of Mickey. I mean, it was just – and amazing, it was amazing. Like if you went to Woodfield Mall, you had to go to the Disney Store and Mickey's Kitchen. And I can't believe they only lasted two two years. Actually,
1: it was quick. Um, I mean, from what I gather, it was. I mean, the food industry's hard, and uh, you know, it just wasn't making the profits. And they decided, you know what, we're gonna do something else. But I, I read about the Mickey's Kitchen, and I go, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been so much fun to experience. There is a
2: YouTube video out there, about 20 minutes long, of what the Mickey's Kitchen experience was like. It was a it's a a video from uh, copied from a VHS. I don't know if, when you guys were doing your research if you came across it or not. But it's about 20 minutes. I don't know if it was shot at the California one or the Woodfield one. I want to say it's the Woodfield one. And it kind of showcases what's going on inside the Mickey's Kitchen. Um, it's it's really I mean it's very very like early '90s late late '80s. Um, you know, it's funny. My first Disney store, I see being in this area. I think people take for granted the Disney store was there's just a lot of Disney stores or there were in this area. Michigan, there were not as many. For my first experience at the Disney store was in Briarwood Mall in Ann Arbor. And I was in college it was the first time I ever went to a Disney store. It was crazy. I, I can't tell you, though, what what type of Disney store it was, though. Like, I can't tell if it was a pink and green. I mean, it would have been early 2000s, so it may have been like a Millennium store.
1: Yeah, I I so I, I think I've mentioned this on the Beers nears pod, but I don't know if I mentioned this here. So my first Disney store was Flint, Michigan, in the Genesee Valley Mall, and I was actually at the opening of that Disney store. I didn't know this until my parents sent me photos. So um, we'll, I'll, Chris, uh, we'll make sure that I get these photos so we can post them up on our socials feed um, of three-year-old me at the Disney store. And you know, we were in that mall because like, there was enough stuff in there that my family liked that we were in that mall every week. And every time I went into the Disney store and just watched the video and looked at all the stuff. And I, I was in there all the time. Um, and so, and I know that was a pink and green. I like have a very vivid imagination or, or like I could probably tell you exactly how that store was laid out because of how mm-hmm, often mm-hmm. I was in there. Um, and interestingly enough, a lot of the marketing that was for those stores, um, the Volo auto museum here in Volo, Illinois has a lot of that early Disney store marketing. They've col- The guy has collected it and has a bunch of the like big figures that used to sit in the Uh, windows on either side of the entrance and so that hit me with a bunch of nostalgia I'm like oh, I absolutely can envision these sitting in that Flint Michigan store and then of course you know Flint Michigan being Flint Michigan and the Disney company downsizing did not help that Disney store so um, that one is no more but uh, yeah that was like I I was I was in Disney that Disney store every week for years.
3: It's kind of crazy when you talk about that with me being in the company for so long, for 26 years, when I first started, I had so many moms come in with their small kids. And later on, I would have them come in and be like, I remember you. You were the Disney lady. And now they were bringing their kids in to still see me. Oh,
0: that's amazing. Yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah.
1: That's so cool.
0: Kim,
2: Kim, so you obviously lived through multiple phases, right. Of, of the existence of the Disney store. So you started in 90, you said 95, right? Yep.
3: 1995.
2: So talk like in my mind, like that period, 95, like that was like a premium period for the Disney store. Like the nineties you had, you had, you know, Aladdin, you had again, Pocahontas, you had Lion King, you had you had all of these Renaissance era hits can, can you just talk a little bit about like that premium period and then kind of what started to happen in the 2000s when they started to make the decision that eventually they would sell the children's place? Because like that, in my mind, I've always kind of assumed that was like the dark period of the Disney store. Like, the dark <laughs> period, you know, but can you just from your experience, because none of us, I mean, we can read about it, but you lived it. And, and I'm just curious to know kind of what was happening there.
3: So when I started with Disney Store, of course, like I said, it was a meet and greet. It was really magical. Like for Disney Store, our standards have always been so, so high. And everything is like through the eyes of the guests and about making the most special moment for our guests. Um, it was, we had so many pre-orders going on. Um, the product that we carried was top quality. I know a lot of people said it was a little expensive, but down to every detail, down to the buttons, down to the embroidery. I mean, you, nobody could top it. Um, it was just top quality over and over. And the experience was Amazing. I mean, we like I couldn't even come out of the back room until when I started until I knew every character's name. And that wasn't like main characters. That was like Mm. every single character in the Disney book. I mean, the standards were just amazing and so high. And throughout my career with Disney, I've always been proud to say I've worked at the Disney store. You know, people are like, oh, it's just retail. I'm like, nobody understands what it's like to work for the Disney store. Like, it's probably one of the best jobs in the whole entire world. And then going into the 2000s, you're right. In 2002, when Children's Place did take over, a lot changed. Um, Payroll was tight. We were on one coverage. Um, We went to more, value pricing compared to, you know, high end retail. Um, the quality showed a little bit, um, but we did a lot of changes too. We did a lot of changes with, um, we put a lot of effort into visual. We put a lot of efforts. We rolled out like mannequins, like new visual aspects um, to get us through the time. So it wasn't terrible. It wasn't awful, but it was. A very happy moment when the Disney stores took back um, and regained the brand. What what year was that that they regained the, the brand? Um, Children's Place took us over in 2002. And no, I'm sorry, 2004. And Disney took us back in 2008. Okay, okay.
0: Well, that wasn't a long period of time at all.
3: It was only a couple of years. Yeah, I, I for whatever reason, I thought it was
1: longer in my mind. And um, at, at time just is, you know, a, very weird to me now.
3: now yeah, well, in uh, fact, the day that the Disney company took us back was May 1st, 2008. Wow. I yeah. can only
2: imagine the celebration that was taking place. I mean... Popping champagne. Yeah, yeah. like... <laughs> So one of the things that has made, I think, that makes Disney Store unique, you know, you've talked about a little bit, but the experiences, right? Like, I think every one of us, the four of us on this, this pod can talk about the various events and the various things that we got to do with the guests. Like, no one else does that. And so, I mean did you kim i did sorry matt i guess i'm kind of taking over hosting duty there.
1: But no, <laughs> but like, no but like i just you and chris I, are just hanging back
2: we're <laughs> <them do> it. <laughs> still
0: on vacation sipping our lemonade. okay yeah, we'll we're still on vacation
2: <laughs> no but uh, kim did you have any particular favorite events that you got to host? i mean i remember when you gave me the honor and you taught you taught me how to do opening ceremony and that was one of my absolute favorite things to do and i got to do it that one black friday we had this like hundreds of people outside Aurora waiting to get into the store on Magical Friday. And I got to do opening ceremony. You videoed it. It's still out there on Facebook. That opening ceremony to me was one of my, was my favorite event to do. But did you have any favorite ones that you enjoyed doing or watching
3: or, or taking place in the various stores you were at? Oh my gosh. Um, I love doing the events and I love doing the opening ceremony. And in fact, um, I realized that one of the events that we did wasn't just for kids. There was one day I was actually back at Chicago Ridge for my second time around. Um, Seems like every five years I went to a different store and I did work in every store type except for a P30, but I was able to see the prototype in California for that store. So um, kind of an honor to have worked at all the stores. Um, But I was doing, um, the art of animation at Chicago Ridge. And there was a group of people from um, a corporation that they were doing a team building and they came in and I ended up doing it with adults and they had the best time. And it just totally made me realize that these events are not just for kids. It is for everybody. Um, So that was, one of my favorites. And then one of my other favorites was when I was at Michigan Ave and we had the Festival of Lights and we brought De Capella, the acapella Disney um, singing group in um, to perform the morning. They were in the parade at the Lights Festival, but they performed in the store prior to that. And it was a lot of hard work and I never realized how much work went into perfecting an event that big but it was truly amazing and I'll never forget it. And I'll never forget the time you did the opening ceremony and the wishes. Oh, wishes. oh doing yes. wishes
1: during the holidays was awesome. That, um, okay.
2: What was your favorite iteration? Matt, what was your favorite iteration of wishes? Did you like the wishing well one or the Christmas tree one?
1: I liked the Christmas tree one. I liked when kids could like put the star up there, yeah. partly because it gave us some humor. Cause you never know what kids were going to write down and kids are, yeah. uh, kids are hilarious. Um, yeah. So, um, uh, I want to kind of go around here, you know, Kim, th- those are some great moments there. Chris, what about you? you what, what was your like favorite cast member to guest interaction that you have? And then Casey oh, will throw it over to you.
0: Um, well, I have to say really fast cause you guys were talking about wishes. Wishes at Fox Valley was the bane of our existence cause we did not have room backstage for that big tree. <laughs> 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 that You're
2: right. You did it. It <laughs> was
0: so small that, and to store it, like it was, and to put it together, it killed us. Like, it was cute. It was always funny to read what the kids would write and ask for. And on occasion, you'd have to take a couple off. But, like, what was cool is uh, Fox Valley, towards the end, was trying to get a little bit more involved with its stores. And so they had us go out. I helped. it. I wasn't the one who led it. It was one of our other cast members led Doing Wishes, but with the mall tree. Oh, which was really cool. We rolled ours out so kids could put their wishes on our tree and then we rolled it back into the store. But we lit the entire mall tree as a Disney store, which was really cool. I always liked um, when I was at box office, um, which sounds weird, but I just enjoyed that interaction with guests and getting to talk to them about why they were buying something and making that interpersonal connection. I also had a lot of really, really bad puns that specifically were connected to ringing a guest out. Um, And they drove my other cast members crazy. Whenever (laughs) they would hear me start to do one, at one point someone laughed and went, oh, do you have another? And Colleen goes, no, please don't encourage this. It never ends. (laughs) And they did the same ones on repeat. Um, So that was always my favorite was just like, goofing around um and making those interpersonal back and forths um with someone um and what was nice is it was at the end of their experience so i didn't i always was worried like okay like like the retail brain of all right how do we upsell how do we do like these tasks on top of adding the magic that was like that was the end of the line i just got to enjoy their company and they got to enjoy mine um it was also really funny to see how the ornaments would break because we kept our ornaments right next to box office
2: oh the ornament tree. The ornament tree.
0: The other the tree, tree that tree. was the bane of our existence. Tim,
2: <laughs> do you remember the ornament tree in the year they decided to put the plexiglasses between the ornaments? I swear those were more of an issue than just letting them hang on that tree. Like, it, oh, it those was were like, such a
3: slipping hazard.
2: <laughs> they were. They were absolutely um so matt you would wanted to know so obviously i talked about my favorite event which I again i loved being able to do the opening ceremony that was my favorite ongoing event my favorite um like spontaneous event or event that kind of was a planned event i loved the descendants event and you know that the descendants oh, yeah. event the descendants dance the party. most
1: physically demanding <laughs> event that they've, oh they
2: oh my god to learn that dance i will never know but Colleen I and
0: I used to like when the like animated dance would play on the DVD, like on very like if it was very slow, we would stand there and we would like try to keep up. We never could, but I, it was I, fun. I, it made the we, night go by. We
2: put it on. We would just put it on and let it play when we wanted to like pump up the music a little bit. But as far as my favorite experience, I think my favorite experiences had to do with just interacting with the kids. Like like that was my my I I, I had so many memories of kids coming in. And being able to just light up their, their face. Right. Um, I, I have two instances I want to share. So instance, number one, both of these, uh, well, one happened at Woodfield, one happened at Aurora. So the one that happened to uh, Aurora, when I was there, this was um, around around Christmas time. And this little girl, she probably couldn't have been much more than five years old. And she comes up to me, we've just finished the wishes event and she comes up and she kind of tugs on my pant leg And so I I kneel down because they teach us to kneel down. And she goes, excuse me. I'm like, hi, what's up, princess? And she goes, do wishes come true? (laughs) And I'm like, I'm like, well, absolutely. They come true. Where do wishes come from? And I'm like, okay, I got to start thinking. I got a vamp here. I got to vamp." I'm like, well, wishes come from your heart. And, and she's like, well, do they come true? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, "Are, are you wishing for something? And she was wishing for something for Christmas. And, and I was like, well, if you're a good little girl, and you really, really wish it, and you really, really believe it, wishes do come true. And she just lit right up, and she was just so excited. And then the second one happened at Woodfield. And I had a, I had several of these. And you had two types of parents who would come in. Parent number one, when their kid would start going towards a toy that was not of their particular gender, parent number one would be, oh, no, get over here to the boys' toys or get over here to the girls' toys. But then you'd have parent number two, which was always my favorite type of parent. And so this little boy, probably five or six years old, he just loved Rapunzel. He just loved Rapunzel. And he was looking at the Rapunzel dresses, right? And yeah. and I kind of came over. I'm like, are you guys doing okay? Are you guys finding everything okay? And he kind of got really, really shy because, you know, someone probably told him that boys can't wear dresses for whatever reason. And I said, "Is Rapunzel? You need to lean down." I'm like, "Is Rapunzel your favorite character?" And he's like, "Yeah." I'm like, "What do you like about Rapunzel?" And she go, "He goes, oh, she's so brave and she's courageous." And I said, "Well, I'll tell you what, you would look really good in this." And his face just lit right up. And his mom goes, "See, it's okay." And and I mean, it's just you could tell it was a very supportive parent. And it, it that was my favorite thing. At a certain point, Disney got rid of the idea of boys and girls toys and just they were franchises and anybody could enjoy them. And so I think that was one of my, just my two,
3: two of my favorite interactions at the Disney store.
0: I I do have to say,
3: warm fuzzy, like, you know, when you've connected with somebody and like, you feel good all day and you know, like they, you made a difference in what they did. And like, that's what we do as cast members. As I always say, we are the magic, and if more people lived by that, we would have like, live in a much better world because yeah. it's about us making the difference.
1: We didn't just sell them something. We gave them an experience. My, my one trick always that lit people's faces up, it was a, such a boring and mundane thing, but one of the policies where if the back of their credit card was not signed, we had to see an ID, mm-hmm. and so I would ask for an ID and... If it, it and I would say I got to make sure the glass slipper fits the foot. Oh, and I love it. <laughs> the amount of people that would just their face. Oh, oh, well, here you go. Like they, they would just that that one little interaction that I didn't have to do. Like I could have barely, That's a boring, mundane thing. There's plenty of other magic going on. I'm doing other stuff, but that one line got more people like into like. Oh, that was that was just so delightful. Um, I, I have to mention my other favorite story that was not magical at all. It was just hilarious. I answer the phone. I'm having a magically at the Disney store. This is Matt. How can I help you? I have one very important question for you, to which I go, oh, no. <laughs> what, what question am I about to be asked? Is Walt Disney dead? <laughs> and, and I went, yes. You know, I, uh, unfortunately, Walt Disney is dead. And the person on the other line goes, I told you Richard, and then the phone went dead. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I think I told this story on the pod, on the other pod. This was my first couple of weeks working at Aurora Kim. I answered the phone, it's magical day, hey, Disney store, Aurora, this is Casey, how can I help? And the guy the person on the other phone again had to be a kid start singing do you want to build a snowman to me on the other other end the line like you used to get phone calls like that all the time I mean I would get them you know all the time you'd get people who were who would be on the phone and they they want a little taste of the magic just by calling the Disney store Chris, you were going to say something.
0: I was, because you reminded me um, of my favorite kid interaction. I felt like all of my fun interactions were always with the parents. I was always able to, like, really resonate with parents. Um, and I used to, whenever we would do those, like, plush sales, buy one, get one a dollar, I was always very careful not to say it too loudly, because I didn't want, like... I've seen kids like, oh, we have to do this, like the man said or the lady said, and the parents have to be like, no, we're not doing that. And I don't want to create that kind of an experience in the store. So I always used to try and quietly inform the parent so the kid couldn't hear. And I quietly am telling this one parent, but a kid is near me and I don't clock him. And he runs over to his grandma and I hear grandma go, no, sweetie, I I understand what the man had said, but I I don't think we need that many plush right now. And I was like, oh, (laughs) shoot. But then I hear the little boy go, no, grandma, you don't understand. Now is the time. <laughs> and like he started sales pitching her. And I went over and I said, I'm so sorry. I'm usually better about this. But that's the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life.
2: <laughs> Those buy one, get one plush sales. They were they were fun, man. I, we Now's fun. the time. I remember Now's the, the time. time grandma. You, assigned me <laughs> you assigned me in the plush aisle the one time. It had to have been my first couple of weeks there. And I remember thinking to myself, "What did I do at work today, Casey? I got to lay in piles of plush. Like it was the coolest thing ever." And then after a couple of weeks of working plush, you realize that it's not a good assignment. You don't no. you don't want to you don't want to work the plush at all. Um, I used to okay. So let me ask this question: What was so we, there was lots of different positions, lots of different roles that you could play. What was your favorite role to play in the store,
1: Matt? So, it depended on who I was working with, because my favorite shift was when you and I worked box office that one Saturday. It was just you and me, and man, we had a pre-sale going on, and... and we had P- PWP's were flying. Out. It was it was great because because like all synergy. we heard from our cast members were, oh, it's so hard, and how do we do this? And we were just nailing them. It was great. It was it was amazing. It was like a, like a four or five hour
2: shift. You and I were on box, just yeah, the two yeah. of us. Yeah, we were short staffed. We were crazy. I remember that shift. You're right. I really
1: <laughs> enjoyed stage directing. Like I really enjoyed kind of. Um, Uh, or I guess I shouldn't say that I really enjoyed the visual side of it. Chris kind of put me, our store manager put me in charge of the visual marketing and I really enjoyed that aspect of it. And here's why the, the idea that I would get to design something that is an official Disney, you know, thing was never something I thought was going to happen because I do not have the engineering background to become an Imagineer. I don't like I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be able to like, go down to the parks and build a ride or build a restaurant or anything like that. That's just not going to happen. But the being able to make a wall at a Disney store where, yeah, there were some guidelines, but ultimately Disney said, listen, if you don't have the product to fill this wall, fill it with something that's going to look good. And so there were some collections that flew out and were like, we can't fill this wall. We've got to do something else. And so getting to just from scratch, create something that stayed in an official Disney sense. It's like I created that. I don't mean that in like a pompous look how amazing I am, but just uh, come on now, come on now. (laughs) I mean, I am pretty amazing, but just for Cusco over there. uh, Yes. uh, Just the, wow. I got to create something in the Walt Disney company. And that was, that was really, really cool. What about you, Kim?
3: Well, we all know what my favorite is. Mine is visual and filling. I love to see this stuff fly out of the store and I love to create more magical memories for our guests and beautiful displays. Um, just like you, Matt, um, it's just so rewarding, um, being able to do that. Um, and then also, I want to say another passion was really teaching and coaching our new cast members to bring them up to the level that we needed them to be at. Um, That was always really rewarding when you've seen someone who is struggling get to that point where they had the ultimate confidence um, in their role. That's so rewarding for me, especially as a manager
2: spoken like a true leader right there. I love it.
3: Chris, what about you? Well,
0: so like I said, mine's Box Office. I liked capping everyone's experience and sending them off. Matt is shaking his head like, how dare you pick Box Office?
1: Oh, I, I don't know. Uh, sorry. I think, I, I think it was I just was...
0: like you shook your head like one of those moments, but it was perfectly timed. No, um, I loved Box Office. I also like, I enjoyed visual... A little bit. I got to do it a little towards the end of my time because uh, I became one of the temporary leads when one of the store leads was pregnant. Um, and I'll never forget, I think the first time I kind of got to like go was Colleen went, Hey, the front table needs to get switched over to fashion or to classic dolls. And I went, Okay, sure. And I got a bunch like in those big net bags, like over my shoulders, and I barreled yeah. my way through the front of the narrow, narrow store. And in my brain, I was like, is there a picture? She went, no, they just said classic dolls. And I went, okay, I got this. I'll make it look cool. And she was like, really? You can just put the clown. I'm like, I got it. <laughs> and so I was like, very particular about who went next to who and that it was boy, girl. And I got, I was like, okay, it can't work like this. I've run out of this one. I'm going to have to rearrange it. And she went, Chris, literally, let it go. It's okay. Um, or like when we were do the, this is more of a, less a Disney magic and more just how my brain works. When we had the, the sale walls at the back during um twice upon a year, when it got to the point where it was just about Tetrising the product, but yes. making it still look presentable. Yes, I enjoyed that puzzle, and I would stand there with like myself and one of the other managers. We go, okay, cool. So if I do it like this, and like getting that puzzle to work, but I always felt the for me the easiest place to to bring magic was at box office. That for me was my my show stopping number.
2: Clarence walls were always my favorite, except when they were bathing suit clearance walls, bathing suit clearance walls were horrible. I still remember the day that Phyllis, when we were doing inventory made me inventory three wall bays of clearance flip-flops. I was like, what did I do to make you so mad Phyllis? I don't understand. <laughs> inventory nice clearance flip-flops. was the worst. <laughs> it was horrible. Casey, All right, my, what about you? My favorite was box office. I, I loved box office. It was it, personally one of the things when i became uh, uh t- you know a team lead uh, a lead cast member i hated that we weren't allowed to be on box office when we were stage directing i absolutely hated it because i excelled at box office i loved box office i loved selling pwp i loved selling um i loved doing the uh the disney visas i loved doing the um the pre orders i still remember Kim, I don't know if you remember this. This was very early on in Aurora. Um, we had, Pete. it's my first summer there. So it was about less than a year. So we were doing PWP beach towels. You know, it was the eight, You know, the, the $12 towel you see it for $8 if you buy it with the purchase or whatever. And I remember I came in for my shift and and Phyllis is asking each of the people, how many PWPs are you going to sell today? And one of the people goes, I'll sell you five. And somebody else says, I'll sell you 10 and she, two or three more people. And then she gets to me and she's like, all right, Casey, how many going to sell? I'm like, well, how long am I going to be box office? She goes, well, if I put you on box office all day, how many going to sell? And I did the math. I'm like, okay, if I sell one every 10 minutes, and I kind of went, I said, I'll sell you 90 of these today. She goes, you're not going to sell 90 of these today. I'm like, I'm on box office for like a seven hour shift or whatever it was. I will sell you 90 of these today. And she goes, all right, if if you sell 90, I will keep you on box every time you work from here on out. I'm like, okay. Okay. I sold 103, <laughs> sold 103 beach towels that day. And and the trick was, Phil's like, how'd you do it? I'm like, well, you don't just ask somebody if they want a beach towel. You say, how many beach towels do you want? And when they say two or three, you say, how about one more? How about one more? And you, I just kept asking until they said no more. And I'd sell four or five to one guest. And I, I just, I just loved box office. It was just, it was, it was just magical.
1: My least favorite was greeting at the front door. I don't think... I, hated greeting. I don't think anyone loved greeting because you were, like, trapped up there. <laughs> yes! It's just, like,
2: you can't move. And, and at Woodfield, it's worse because it's this giant wide opening. At least at Aurora, you just had the two doors and you could get in and get out pretty easily.
1: <laughs> yeah.
3: I do remember so, that, Casey. You were so funny. And then, <laughs> just going forward, every time Casey would come in, that would be thing. like, oh, how many PWPs did you get? How many visas did you get? And, like, the challenge was, like... Energizing, and it would just go on and on and on and on. And yeah. he'd just be like making that challenge with every cast member, and they were just like, "Well, I'm going to be Casey." <laughs>
2: <laughs> Emily, Emily, and I used to 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 to, to uh, challenge one another on on pre-sales. You remember that? So if she'd get one from the floor, she's like, "Casey, that one's mine. Don't take it." Like we would we would we, we would challenge each other, and we would be one up one another with pre-sales. We we always made pre-sale when 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 emily and i were working at aurora when we were there we always made pre-sale um in and, and disney v's and that was back by the way when you could sell more than your goal like yeah then they went to that thing where you weren't allowed to sell more than your goal anymore but back when you could just sell as many as you wanted i mean we we were we sold tons at aurora tons which is pretty good given that aurora was not a well-established store at that point where like woodfield had 20 years of history you know
1: yeah So kind of as we're rounding the bend here, kind of getting to the ending years of the Disney story. You know, I mean, honestly, it's not a real, you know, Chris and I, of course, you know, we have some really great chronicles of corporate ineptitude that have (laughs) killed companies and hilarious stories. But really, this is kind of cut and dry where online sales, online Mm -hmm. shopping kind of became the thing. Uh, retail has a high overhead and then 2020 March, 2020 happens and kind of accelerates a lot of, I think what the Walt Disney company was attempting to do. And it kind of got to a point where they decided to focus more on their e commerce. I mean, Kim, can you comment any more on like kind of the ending years, kind of what you saw and, and, you know, any any other information you have?
3: Well, there wasn't a lot said, but I will tell you a lot changed towards the end. Um, like we were always about everything had to be perfect, better than perfect. And what I saw was we started to get a lot more lax as a company, like it wasn't as important, you know, like the front windows weren't as important, um, just the standards, like there would always be sign event checklists, there'd always be, you know, visual communications coming down. And it just kind of, I was like, where is that high standard that we were always used to? Um, that was kind of one of my first takeaways that I saw. Um, and then as stores started to close, it was just kind of like, oh my gosh, when's that next phone call going to happen? Um, which was kind of unnerving and nobody knew. But um,
0: yeah, I, know I, I it wouldn't was. go
3: back. The years of magic were just wonderful. And you know what? It makes me so sad that my grandkids will never have that experience. Yeah. Or you know, children overall.
2: And I think, Matt, I mean, honestly, that's probably as good of a segue as you're going to get into our next part. I mean, because that's kind of what the whole point of this two-part episode is all about, which is the history of what it was and what could it be in a 21st century? What could it be, not even just 21st century, but in the age of the internet, it, is there room for a Disney store-type environment? Because I don't know if you guys have seen this, there's a new store that just opened up down in Orlando, Um that right off of i-5 kind of towards um uh towards uh, towards uh universal studios that's like a reimagined disney store, disney right? store. yeah and it's it's all parks they're so selling
3: tickets again yeah
2: like yeah what, what could that be and i think that's as good of a segue as we could probably get going into our next segment matt
1: yeah so um part two of this is going to release on tuesday um so that's the uh fifth fourth whatever the next tuesday whatever the next tuesday is um and so uh we're going to kind of give our you know reimagining what do we think it's going to be um and uh so yeah this is part one uh we we hope that you enjoyed our little uh jaunt through memory lane honestly for us you know it was was. it's an interesting history but also to kind of hear memory lane. you know it's like you said kim it's disappointing that people don't get to experience it but i am feeling very thankful that I got to experience it totally selfishly. Um, So, yeah. um, Before we
0: go, we have to close out Discontinued on Display with my normal, I went to eBay. Oh, Um, yes,
1: yes, Chris. um, Kim, you don't know this.
0: Every every episode of Discontinued on Display, I go to eBay, and I try to find out what is the most ridiculously priced item. What can you buy? Um, And then it turned into what's the most ridiculously priced item can you buy um, off of eBay? And of course, for Disney Store, I mean, there's heaps and heaps and heaps and things that are claiming to be Disney Store cast member exclusive pins or the costume shoes or the this or the that or a poster or something. Um, And I was like, some of this doesn't and some of it's just general merchandise that because of the trigger words and the keywords popped up. The most ridiculous thing, though, I know we sold, I remember selling this item, is a plush. Disney Store Muppets Most Wanted Miss Piggy Plush, stuffed emerald green dress, 19 inches, is being sold on eBay for $10,858.40 with a shipping cost of $8.
2: Okay, it was, Are, there it was a, Are there any bids on no, it? No,
0: It is a buy it now And it was originally being sold At $15,512 But they went to 30% off It doesn't even look like it has It's tag on it It says it's pre-owned Most likely used and loved Of all the Disney movies And of all the plush Miss Piggy coming in at the most expensive On eBay $10,000
1: holy
2: 10, cow my mm-hmm. most prized possession just just so is the so y'all know i collect these disney keys right i've got like like I think I said, sixty of them, Matt. Last time we yeah, talked. you were like in the sixties. Yeah. My most prized possession one is the Jonathan Story one, though. I'm not gonna lie. And Kim, I know you have that one too the the the, the special Disney Store one that's got the different looks at the Disney Store. That's my most prized possession from the Disney Store, along with my ambassadorship, which we didn't even talk about. But my ambassadorship, which I earned uh, for being a Disney Store ambassador. So
1: well, and and Kim, you were showing us before we came on. You have like manuals from the '90s and things like that.
3: I do, I have our traditions manual from 1995. Um, The crazy thing is I have like the very first mission statement that um, we had when I started with the stores um, and then the mission statements as we evolved through the Disney companies. Um, I also going through my things, I found a cast member uniform pamphlet with um, how to care for your uniform and I was just like, oh, my gosh, I have, like, some of the craziest stuff. Um, the Scoop, the magazine that used to come out. I found, That's like, true. ten of them. every Scoop that had my name personally in it, I still own and I saved. And now I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I'm like, these are amazing. Yeah. Um, the other thing, like, the Art of Entertainment, Mission Magic.
1: Oh, yeah, boys, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Brilliant. All the care and love and like I have a huge bin of stuff and as I go through it I'm just like this is crazy I got my mission magic from Jonathan's story his letter introducing our mission magic so it's crazy when you look back over the years
0: yeah do you choose well, have anything Casey Matt from the store
3: oh I yeah mean, I actually still have my
2: whole uniform I've got my I kept you know obviously once everything closed there was. You know, return it. So I've got my shirt with my vest. I've got my original name badge that has the ambassador nameplate to it. I've got the management bat name badge. And I've got the two special name badges that I won. We won the Toy Story one and um, the one that I got for working at Galax, uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge uh, Star Wars Celebration with Kim, uh, which was another great experience, which we've talked about on the other pod. But yeah.
1: Yeah. I've got a lot of the trivia stuff. Um, I'm proud of that. Um, Disney Store did a trivia competition, and so I've got those. And then just like the cast member exclusive merch, like that plush Mickey in the original Disney Store costume, is just it's fun to have. So
0: yeah, I have all like the like the cast member like exclusive holiday stuff still, like the BR guest pins. Yeah. I have a trivia coin on my desk. Um, my the only like like the weird thing that I, I'm technically not supposed to have um, because I left the company before disney store closed i was supposed to turn in my entire uniform and i kept my bow tie and my regular tie Ah. oh i don't know where those are colleen and they're (laughs) in my closet and i sometimes i've pulled them out for random things
2: when aurora closed i i got decked out in my my shirt in my vest and everything and I, i wore it for the last day of aurora closing so I wasn't
1: there um all right. Well, um Casey, Kim, thanks for coming on uh discontinued on display feed. Thank you so uh, much. Thanks for having
2: me. It was great. Absolutely. Thank you. I, I, it was magical.
1: It uh, was. Chris, if they so again, part two coming out Tuesday on this. Um, Chris, if they want to get a hold of us, how do they do that?
0: If you're looking to uh, get in touch with specifically the discontinued on display people, you can email us at discontinuedondisplay at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at discontinuedpod or on Instagram at discontinuedondisplay. There's one other way you can uh, find us and what we're up to, but it's another great way to learn more about beers and ears, and that's through their website, the Sorcerer Network. Dot com, it's dot com, right?
1: It's not the. There's no the, oh, it's just sorcerer sorry.
0: network. To me, it's just I like the mistake. it is like the grandest thing. Sorcerer network.com.
1: Yes, lots of by the time this releases, lots of stuff has begun. Um, phase two is in full swing. So um, uh, write more articles, releasing some videos. We're 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 going for it. So uh, uh yeah, lots of fun, fun new stuff happening. So yeah, definitely check out SorcererNetwork.com. Uh, yeah, so uh, uh, I think we close up our the exhibit, the museum for the night. Uh, I, I guess we didn't, uh, Kim. We didn't tell you this. We were, this is a fake museum you're 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 in right now um, that we run. So uh, you were just an unwilling tour guide on this fake museum. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, I think that's it. Bye, everyone. Woo, season four. <laughs> Woo! Bye, everyone. <laughs>